question came in, um, and we had a question before too. So I'm going to start with this first question. For the pocket OT, how do we figure out if it's sensory or anxiety? My teen has associated sizzling to getting splattered by oil. He currently uses a headphone, which keeps him calm while he cooks. Do you think that we can help him not rely on the headphones if we lower his anxiety or if we use systematic desensitization for the sizzle sound? And they said, thank you to Shannon and to the OT. Uh, you know, that's a really common question we, we re, uh, that I receive. And in fact, the CDs I made um, for my own kids to help work on kind of desensitization issues. So what I want to talk about then is the association. There's already a brain association with you know, that causes anxiety, obviously. And when there's anxiety, the amygdala in our brain is actually what releases stress hormones that we affiliate, that we associate whenever we hear that sound again. So a sound can absolutely cause a lot of anxiety. So that's definitely valid, right? I just want to tell you all that right now. That's definitely valid for any kid with any kind of auditory sensitivity, that that is actually causing a fight or flight in the body. So what we want to do then, um, these hormones are called cortisol and they're actually, you know, stress causing. So it is possible to work on some strategies for desensitizing. What I probably would recommend is that, you know, you slowly sensitize right then and there. I, I, there's, that's not fair. So you want to talk about how, you know, a list of how does your body feel when you hear that sound? What does it physically feel like? And then what can we do? So can we take deep breaths? Can we work on, you know, maybe some you know, some heavy work with our arms, such as that I'm doing this, like a push-up with your hands, you know, what kind of physical things can we do to help you with this anxiety? So, you know, coming up with a plan before it happens is the most important thing. And then I would, you know, try it out together, um, but while using those strategies together. So you don't want to push the child then when you're practicing the first few times to their limit. You want to stop the experiment so to speak, before uh, a fight or flight reaction would kick in. So uh, it's a revol you know, involves a lot of head planning and that, you know, the child's got to be able to say, he's got to be able to say how it makes his body feel. So that's what I would do. I would try to make some, um, some a plan at least. Wonderful. And they, and they said that they were going to, uh, they've written in and said that they're going to try the trial and error and that they're going to report back uh, what they find, which I absolutely love. Now we had another question though, um, where somebody wrote in and, and there was part of it about a sensory room. And so I, I wanted to ask you this, uh, you may not address the whole question, but they said, Shannon, my, my son just turned five and I'm wondering what kinds of exercises I could do to help my son with his attention. He's in a regular pre-K class, but his teacher mentions attention being something that is challenging for him. I've read too many negatives on meds, so I want to try everything else first. He has 25 hours of ABA and thank you so much. And she goes on to say, um, he's in a private preschool, so they don't have any specialized skills, but he will be going to kindergarten in August. So if any thoughts on accommodations, the public school has a sensory room, but not sure if it's kid directed or teacher. Okay, so several questions are kind of involved in the one. So first, let's talk just a really briefly about the attention piece. Um, there are ways that we can help children to pay attention. And incidentally, my next um, work is on that with um, a, a doctor of pharmacy, because I, I agree that medication is a last resort. The thing with um, the plasticity of the brain, and the, the brain can actually change. And um, really quickly, there's this um, this 
there's the brain it's kind of like a vine of nerves if you think of nerves in the brain as a vine and they're developing in our younger kids and this child is going into kindergarten i think you said yes you know we certainly don't want to um do medications yet because we need to when we're talking about changing the brain or increasing those pathways that help the student to attend to the task we are talking about this can develop up to the time that the child is a teenager so you want to definitely try to limit medication. That's just my opinion, but you know, and train, you know, help him to, to attend longer on preferred tasks. I would start preferred tasks first, and there's many um, different, you know, workbooks that you could work on with mazes and different games where you're talking about imitation and mimicking that the child could play. As far as the sensory room. You know, a sensory room, you can't go wrong. In a school that has a sensory room, my feeling is that the school probably is really in tune to their students if they're already having a sensory room. That's amazing in itself. Um, and whether it's child or adult directed, of course, sensory, especially when we're swinging, should be child directed. Um, but, you know, it's. It, I'm sure that I would want to know what kind of supervision is in that room for your student. And that should be discussed at the IEP meeting, for Wonderful. sure.